Hour three is brought to you by SM Athletics. Spring is in the air. Sports season's getting ready to fire back up for the youth. If you're coaching, your team mom or team dad, or running the teams yourself and you have uniform equipment, screen print, or embroidery needs for the upcoming season, give SM Athletics a call. Excellent customer service, great products at a fair price, and when they say it is done, it's done right and on time every time. Don't chance it with unreliable mega stores or online orders that just look at you as an order number. Give SM Athletics a call. They're local and they care about you. You can call them at 865-966-3434. That's 865-966-3434. Or visit smathletics.com. All right, Sam. Baseball season. You got your first real taste of the real season. I know the the Texas kickoff, that's a big deal. And Tennessee loves going to the MLB stadiums. And it feels like we do it every year. And that's our thing. But, like, now you you got a taste of Tennessee inside Lindsey Nelson. Another game today against ETSU. You got a weekend series on the horizon. It feels like you're really off and running now. I didn't think yesterday was very impressive, obviously, as as I think Tennessee was seven and a half runs favored, favored by seven and a half runs in that game. They're exposed to you know we said over under of nine and a half runs scored, I believe is what we said it at. Tennessee, of course, didn't do those things. They won by one, three to two, against a winless team. But like I said, with basketball, a win is a win. An ugly win is better than a pretty loss. What were your takeaways? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just that. A win is a win, and it's a long baseball season. And so I think, you know, it's early to, to not have too many overreactions kind of early in the season. You're still finding finding your way. The team is kind of finding their identity and finding out ways to gel. Uh, yeah, I mean, the bats definitely were not there like you wanted them to. do. Uh, but I think you had a great performance uh, pitching-wise, uh, and it was from some young guys as well. Uh, yeah, you, you started the true freshman on the mound in Derek Schaefer. He got out to a little bit of a shaky start, but I thought he settled in in his next two innings and, and did well. And then you you threw a sophomore in there and Andrew Benke and then a redshirt freshman and Austin Hunley. And I think Hunley really, really pitched the best out of all of them. Uh, but they combined to strike out 10, only had one walk in that game. So I think it's uh, important that you got a depth and you got the young guys in that in that pitching staff. If uh, this is a redneck question, Sam, please excuse it. Okay, I will. Please excuse it. This is a redneck overreaction question. Is there any concern for how we are approaching the beginning of games for these pitchers? Because it doesn't seem like they're coming out necessarily with their best stuff in the fir- in, in their first innings of appearances. I mean, it's not just starters. It's sometimes the relief guys you're bringing in are getting off to a bad first inning. So, like, is there any concern for that? Because it does seem like the arms – are settling down and getting going, you know, the more they pitch. And that's a good thing when they settle in. And it's early season jitters, and for some guys, their first starts. I get all that, but, like, it seems like our pitching is most vulnerable when they first come in. Sure. I mean, I guess that is a a cause for concern, absolutely. But I I wouldn't be too concerned with it overall as a whole. I think that kind of the guys that you've started so far in Texas and then last night in your home opener, I think it has been – guys like you're saying young guys or transfers that are just coming in and kind of having that first start getting those those nerves and jitters out of the way I think it's kind of just that if it 
transitions for the next month, I think that is a cause for concern sure, or the next two sure. weeks. But, you know, I, I think by the time you get through this 15-game home stretch, you should be feeling pretty good. And, again, I, I acknowledge that might be a complete yeah. dumb question after four games, but it's something I've noticed is sure. that you have been in a little bit of trouble in the first innings of these pitchers coming in. And I didn't know if that was something with the approach with Anderson or if it's just nerves and guys missing their spots or – or whatever, and, you, and you've limited damage. It's not like anybody's had a big first inning against right. you. It was a chance that that could have happened in night three against Baylor. Like, you know, that was on the table without some good defensive plays. Yeah. But, yeah, I was just, just curious. And, you know, Tennessee gave up nine hits, so was able to kind of – for as much as we've talked about leaving guys on base, you know, for the offense, the pitching at least worked around base runners – successfully you know to give up only two runs on on nine hits feel like that's pretty solid only walked one batter so if you're looking for positives from the the pitching staff that's good as far as the lineup goes though like is there anything that stood out other than dryling continuing to um i guess he's now in the two spot i guess that that seems like burke is going to kind of get moved down the lineup the first game he was number two Looks like maybe Dryling's going to flip-flop with him and be at the top of the lineup. And then, of course, Tears continues to be on a tear. Like, I mean, he is a, he's a beast. Yeah. Um, personally, I'm, I'm really enjoying seeing Blake Burke kind of down and closer to the bottom of that lineup. I think it just gives you more versatility overall. And when guys like Dryling and, and Simo and Amick and Tears are all – swinging the bat like this to start the year, I don't think it, it's a bad thing at all to be able to have a guy like Blake Burke at like the six or seven spot in your lineup. So I think it's honestly added power and kind of a little bit of a wrinkle that adds some versatility to this team. Yeah, I know Russell has a stranglehold on the station's relationship with Vitello, but if I could ask Vitello, I would be curious if he put Burke at second to start the year as maybe of a confidence thing and just to get more at bats and get more, you know, just looks and, yeah. and saying, Hey, this is, we have confidence in you. We're moving up. But like, cause I mean, I feel like he's perfect for like the sixth spot where you have some guys on base and he has some, yeah. a chance to, you know, even with two outs change the game with one swing of the bat. Whereas I, I, I still want my top of the lineup guys to be contact and get on base guys. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I don't really want my best home run hitter in the two spot. I want a guy that's going to hit some singles, draw some walks. He has some pop. Sure. Everybody on this Tennessee lineup is going to have some pop, but like, I don't know, I just wondered if Vitello had a method to doing that because it didn't make sense when I saw it, and he has since kind of course-corrected and moved him back to where I would have him. Yeah. I would baseball brain John Reed would have him. Personally, I agree. I'd rather have a guy like Dry. I'd be more confident in a guy like Dryling being able to grind out longer at-bats at the top of that lineup than Burke will be able to. But, I mean, I think, you know, you can be disappointed in, in kind of the offensive output of this game, but you look at – baseball around the country and you know it's just yeah. it's an it's yeah. an up and down sport I mean you, you saw the number one team in the country in Wake Forest lose to UNC Greensboro last night Vandy's off to a tough start to their year they lost to Dayton yesterday so Mississippi State ready yeah. to fire their coach four games into the season like you're right about that and that's a good point it's not the same as basketball where an ugly win still makes Bob come in here and in his show notes be like do we really have to talk about this says the ugliest game Tweeted out that he was going to bed. I mean, Bob was going through it. Bob was disgusted last <laughs> night at a at a conference road win. Meanwhile, baseball, you have a pretty ugly game against UNC Asheville, but you actually feel good about the win just because you actually can lose these games. 
in baseball. You, yeah, you had Wake Forest, the number one team in the country, go down. So is that going to be a new rivalry, by the way, Tennessee fans versus Wake Forest? It seems like Wake Forest makes it, wants to make it a rivalry more than Tennessee fans do. What was the change the narrative thing? Or in the narrative? Was it in the narrative or change the narrative? I think it was in the narrative. In the narrative. I, what, what was that narrative? That, that To me, it felt like it was a shot at us saying that we didn't believe he was a starting pitcher, I guess. That's we, the narrative? We, we thought that more he was a, an arm out of the bullpen. I don't know. They deleted the tweet. They got bullied into deleting think, the tweet? I think they got bullied into deleting the tweet. Well, the, the rivalry's on. Yeah. The rivalry is yeah. on. They have successfully called us out. We are ready to go. We are prepared for Philadelphia. We are ready to get the rivalry back going. But I, I went through, as I'm one to do, Bob, and I, I like to check the, the replies of, of accounts, especially when they lose a game they're not supposed to. And I know it's the algorithm, too, but every reply to the Wake Forest score tweet was just Tennessee fans <laughs> talking trash. Well, I, yeah, I was going to say that. I, I didn't see that narrative tweet, but, the, man, if Tony saw that, that's got to be rocket fuel for him, too. I mean – He'll, he'll use that. Um, I don't know how much Tony's going to care about it unless we match up with them, but the fan base, of course, is going to carry the fight for Tony. Of course, yeah. <laughs> we, we are the proxy of Tony. We, we will fight for Tony because I don't think Tony ever came out and said Burns wasn't a starting pitcher. I think he said, hey, like, Burns needs to go to the bullpen. But, like, it wasn't like Tony didn't believe in Burns. He, he got to pitch all of our biggest moments. And got to pitch starting pitch, you know, pitch count innings, uh, you know, late in the season in big games too. So, you know, I don't know if that's what they were going for, if that's what they're talking about in their circles at Wake Forest. But, yeah, it was a bad time to send that tweet and then turn around and lose the next game. And then, of course, Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt got kind of, I don't say dominated, but that wasn't even like a close game, right? That was like a yeah. eight to five, or I know they lost by three runs. I'm pretty sure to to Dayton. Speaking of that, because I always think about Russell always does it, you know, talks about the Vandy boys. And uh, I saw a tweet last night. I wonder if that was Dayton trolling them because they said, you know, chalk one up for the fly boys is what they were calling it. Uh, They might call themselves that all the time. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe they're they're the flyers. Yeah. uh, And like I know fly guys and fly girls was the fly girls were a thing. But like I don't know if Dayton baseball is holding on to, like, In Living Color and, like, Jennifer Lopez, you know, getting her start as dancing and whatever, as the Fly Girls. But, like, I I don't know if that's what they're going for. Dayton Fly Boys. Let's see here if that comes up. Um, There's a Fly Boys Deli in in Dayton. I bet it's a troll. I bet that's good. What happened to the Fly Boys? Um, It's an air raid. It's a war thing. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I need to maybe search the hashtag to see if they've actually tweeted Flyboys more than that because it's a good troll. It's a good troll if not. Back to uh, watching yesterday. Actually, that that batting order feels right, one through six. You know, I mean, if you think about setting the table and everything else, and I love tears and cleanup. I mean, that. He's he's already my favorite player. A couple games in that lineup yesterday too was without Cannon Peebles starting that one right. too. So I think that's a, another guy that you can kind of throw in there in the top of that lineup. Yeah, and you got no issue with him not playing yesterday. No, no, right? no like no, I mean, especially not. at catcher, you you've had Vitello say our goal is to have our catchers fresh at the end of the season. Peebles in particular is going to be very important when it comes to our postseason success. 
it's so exciting having a catcher that you feel confident in at the plate. It's been a while since Tennessee's had that. I mean, Russell, you had confidence in, but like the drop off from Russell has been stark. And even Russell, this guy's going to be you know a lot better than him or supposed to be. I was going to ask that question. Is I mean, obviously Stark was a liability last year. I mean, is he is he hurt or is he just that far down the bench? Yeah, I mean, he's just more of a defensive guy, yeah. you know. And I think Charlie Taylor is a, a good defender as well and brings you a little bit more kind of at the at the plate too. So you'll see Cal Stark get in there a, a little bit, but I think that is something that Vitello has been pretty uh, pretty vocal on is kind of just rotating those those three guys at catcher. I regretfully inform you that. The Fly Boys is a thing for Dayton. Ah. That's a thing. They, they've been tweeting about it before the Vanderbilt game. Okay. At least four days ago against whatever weekend series they had. I don't want to scroll back all the way to like last year to see if they were doing it last year, but it, it does appear that it's been a thing. It, it wasn't just a troll. It wasn't just a troll. It's a good troll, though, even if it wasn't intended. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure there were plenty of Vanderbilt fans that took it that way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Dayton basketball should take on that nickname. Yeah. They're hot. Yeah, they are. They're hot. They- I have a friend who is a Dayton basketball fan, and it's so funny that they're good because for like three years he's been talking about how much he hates Anthony Grant and like how terrible <laughs> Anthony Grant is and how he wants him fired and all this stuff, and then you turn around and like Dayton's actually pretty good at basketball again. It's just funny. So Tennessee gets the uh, another game today against ETSU. I assume we don't know who the starting pitcher is yet. Yeah. You Tony know that, pretty much announced it right when we went off the air yesterday right. at 10 o'clock. <laughs> yeah. I imagine it's going to be something similar today. So we'll find out with you guys at 10 o'clock. Any other baseball thoughts? I mean, it's a uh, long season, obviously. Winning better than losing. It just feels good to have baseball back. It just means spring is coming. And I got to say, I enjoyed getting tested. Yeah, I enjoyed like having a close game. Those are good. In the eighth inning, you know, it was tied after the fifth, and to, you know, come up and manufacture a run in the seventh with a sack fly, and then to have your your bullpen make it look easy. I mean, they didn't even have a threat in the eighth or ninth. You just went ahead and you you got the shutdown innings you needed, and and Hunley gets a save, or I guess maybe even got the win. Actually, he got the he win. Got the win. Yeah, yeah, he, he got, got the, the save. Win. Yeah, because we we scored in the seventh. Yeah, he got he gets the win. So, but I mean, he. Didn't give up any runs, and he has some confidence coming out of the bullpen now. So that uh, is overall a productive day as far as I'm concerned. Broke last year's attendance record, too. Oh, nice. What was the attendance? Uh, just shy of 4,700, it says. 4,699. And that was bigger than any crowd last year? Last year, the home opener uh, record was 4,550. Okay, so broke the home, home opener. Record. Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Well, I was going to say, I mean, it's gonna be, we're going to break the attendance record because with the added oh, seats yeah, and stuff, absolutely. it's coming. Absolutely. But. Yesterday didn't feel like it was the most packed it's ever been, so I was a little confused. But, yeah, no, I mean, like, the crowd showed up, man. Like, the, the crowd is there. And, like, you know, I don't know if we are if we need the 10,000-seat stadium that people have wanted and, like, to expand much more than, like, 6,500. But to get 4,000 people in there for an opener, or at least 4,000 tickets sold for an opener, it's a huge deal. You used to struggle to get that for SEC play. You wouldn't even get that for SEC play. So the fact now it's more of a sustained year-round thing, you know, credit to Vitello. I know he doesn't need me to say that because he gets plenty of respect, but what he's built here is still important to kind of step back and look at and admire. Having not been over there for a while, it's amazing what the stadium looks like now versus the last time I was there. I mean, it was a 
It was Tony's got to build so much that that Bob, you know, comes out of his castle and goes and and watches baseball in person. Now it took him what seven years to get him over there, six years to get him over there, but he, he did it. Good job, Tony. He probably walked out of the dugout, looked to left field. He's like, man, this stadium's nice, but having Bob in the crowd's yeah. nicer. That that means everything. There was a triangle nod between him and me and Danny White up, up on the walkway. We all kind of gave each other the nod, like, like well done, guys. We, we're uh, we're good. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> we'll switch gears. We'll talk some NFL. We talked quarterbacks yesterday. We'll talk some running backs and 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 stories that's happening in the league right now. Stick with us. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. As we get set to talk some NFL, huge, huge story of the day, according to Sam, as Patriots Matthew Slater retires after 16 years. <laughs> Along with that, you officially have the two shooters at last week's Chiefs Championship Parade. They're being charged as adults and with second-degree murder. So that ended up just being two youths. 16, 17-year-old guys that, you know, I know Kansas City has talked about their gang issues and their gang problems, so they're saying that's just kind of what that was. It just spilled out into the the parade. It seems to be kind of be like what the what I've heard listening to the podcast where they were talking about it, that's kind of the way they made it seem is that that was... That's my understanding. Yeah. Um, Absolutely wild that if it is just a, a gang thing, why there's plenty of times to do that and not when there's... <laughs> half a million people around I mean, just from a yeah. practi- practicality standpoint. But the NFL offseason is here. We talk some quarterbacks and movements. Do you care about the big-name running backs on the move? Very rarely do I feel like free agent running backs ever make a difference. You know, there's a the whole idea of not paying running backs, not drafting running backs. Uh, I-, I understand that. It's been a talk for a long time. I do think there are some exceptions in terms of paying running backs already on your team, drafting certain running backs high in the first round or in the first round period. But very rarely can I think of too many running backs who have switched teams in free agency that have gone on to make an impact. Paying your guys, keeping them there, one thing. Trading for one like Christian McCaffrey, even another thing. Maybe there's been some trades in the past of younger guys that have have mattered, but I can't think of too many running backs that have changed teams and gone on and been really good. Like, maybe I'm forgetting someone, but, like, the last guy in my mind is, like, Michael the Burner Turner, who went from the Chargers to – he was a backup role at the Chargers, went to the Falcons and was pretty good there for a couple years. Now, there's a crop of free agent running backs this year that maybe changed that, like – Maybe Saquon Barkley has something left in the tank. It could be a big impact guy in the right situation. Maybe Derrick Henry can squeeze out one or two years. Is there anybody that comes to your mind, Bob? I'm a little biased. I love Saquon Barkley, but the problem is he can't seem to stay healthy. Yeah. Uh, But when he's healthy, I feel like he's totally electric. Um, There's been some chatter that maybe the Houston Texans – have expressed some interest in him, which... Yeah, I mean, that, that would make sense in terms of him being 
in a good offense and them kind of – although I thought their running back situation wasn't bad last year. That's what I thought too. It surprised me a little bit. But maybe of good cheap talent and good cheap talent at wide receiver and really cheap talent everywhere, maybe you can splurge a little bit at running back, although I don't know. I guess LaShawn McCoy, was he a free agent when he went from yes. Philadelphia to Buffalo? I think he had a, a decent time in Buffalo. He never, yeah, he never replicated what he did in Philly. Yeah. Though. Um, Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lynch went from Buffalo to Seattle. Is that right? As a free agent? I think so. If he was a free agent, then yeah, then that that's probably the biggest one. Sam, you might have you might have found the answer there. Because Lynch, yeah, of course, was good in good in Seattle. Oh, he got traded actually. Okay. Yeah. yeah I was gonna say there's been some times where people have gotten traded. Let me let me ask you guys, being Titans fans, because I have my own observations on it. But does does Henry really have gas in the tank to? It's not to be the workhorse he once was, but I still think Henry's good. I think he's got two years left in him of solid production. I still think he's good. He was better, you know, pass protection and and catching the ball out of the backfield. He continues to improve at that. Injury concerns aren't really there outside of, like, the foot, but, like, it doesn't seem like that's really slowed him down too much in terms of, like, long-term stuff. I know it derailed that season, but I just think it's hard to judge him. The Titans' offensive line's so bad, man. The Titans' offensive line's terrible. He still rushed for, like, almost 1,200 yards behind our terrible offensive line. Yeah, and, you know, I don't know what the analytics say in terms of like if he was just getting the yards that he was gaining because it didn't or the the yards he was supposed to gain right versus if he was making anything that an average running back wouldn't have I don't recall too many long runs this year which was a a big change because you know typically with Henry you would have the once every three or four games you'd have a 60 yard run the long run burst is definitely gone I think yeah yeah and and that's different and that that takes him from being you know, the best running back to maybe just a top 10 guy. And he's still a crowd favorite. So, like, I, I think a lot of Titans fans, especially with the money they have, would be fine keeping him, bringing him back for, like Sam said, a two-year contract that it's easy to get out after one year. I think from a veteran standpoint, really the face of the franchise type of thing. That's You know, whenever he was a free agent the first time a couple years ago, I was just like, there's no way they're getting rid of him just because he is the franchise. Like, the, the Titans don't have a chance. They chant Henry. Yeah. Like, that, that's their chance. Henry, Henry. They don't have anything as fans that they sing along to or no quarterbacks or fight songs or anything. It's just Henry. So a new regime coming in here, maybe they want to do a complete clean break or maybe it's like, hey, we need a a guy that we can win over that can help us win the locker room over and the fan base over a little bit. I, I don't know. I don't know. But if you're him, you probably want to win a Super Bowl. So you probably do, or we probably are interested in, like, hey, if Dallas calls, because I think at this point he's better than Pollard. See, I was just going to say it seems to me like this is like a, boy, Jerry Jones dream to pull him in for a couple seasons and try to win with him. Just like Eddie George. That's where Eddie ended his career. Dallas makes a lot of sense to me, too. Pollard's clearly, like, a much better number two guy. Yeah, Pollard can't handle the load, and like I mean, it's maybe not. Maybe it takes a full year to get back from the ACL injury he had. Maybe you know he shouldn't have even been playing last year, at least at the beginning of the year. Maybe he needed more time to rehab and whatnot. But like, you, I think you do always kind of want two running backs, regardless. I'm just really curious as how much these money these guys are going to get in the open market because you had the group text last year of the all the NFL running backs, right? You had those guys getting together and be like, hey, we need to stand firm and be together and get our money. And, yes, yeah, Saquon, don't take the franchise tag. But we're all just 
just just hold steady, hold out. Of course, he ended up coming back. And but I mean, like you have Saquon at the top, Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry, Tony Pollard's a free agent, so maybe like he's just gone. And Dallas just brings in somebody altogether. Austin Eckler, who before last year would have been thought of as a top three or four running back in the league. DeAndre Swift, who was pretty good in Philadelphia. J.K. Dobbins, Devin Singletary with the Texans, A.J. Dillon. So you're kind of you know, getting down to the backups at this point. But, like, five or six guys that matter. I think Zach Moss is a sneaky good one, too. Yeah, I mean, he might be a guy. And I, don't, I don't know exactly how old he is. But, yeah, he might be a guy that gets brought back. Not a top three or anything, but just, yeah. you know, could be a bar, uh, like a – like a value play. Kind of like a Devin Singletary was last year, you know, going from Buffalo to Houston, because I thought Singletary was pretty solid for Houston. And, and you know, that maybe that plays into, you know, the fact that these guys are pretty interchangeable. Like Moss is solid, but I think you could probably find plenty of Zach Mosses. He's saying he, he's actually saying he'd like to come back to Indy, um, which is a surprise, but. Maybe he understands that the system is what worked for him there. Now, DeAndre Swift, he was a trade with the Eagles, right? They went and traded for him. Right. David Montgomery was a free agent signing, though, and I thought he was pretty solid with Detroit, so I guess I'll give him some respect in terms of free agents who changed teams that were actually kind of solid and good. I thought he was fine. I didn't say he was good. He was good this year. Do we think Eckler's washed? I mean, just in one season, like you said, John, if this was over a year ago, it would be like he's a – top three or four running back but and top 10 weapon too you'd yeah. say like you know just looking at all the tight ends and wide receivers you'd say Eckler was you know a top 10 guy yeah but then he got he got hurt sprained his ankle pretty severely and then never was the same his you know that game he got hurt he played great at the beginning of the season and then like I said never was the same and I just don't know if some of that was also associated to the way god the Chargers just kind of collapsed too offensively he was a four-and-a-half yards a carry guy for the last three years, and then this year was down to three-and-a-half yards a carry. So, like, if you're just looking at time missed and whatnot, and, like, for his overall stats and his numbers declining, that's one thing. But when you actually look at just, like, when he touched the ball, it was a yard less every time. And with him, I just don't think his time in Los Angeles will continue just because Jim Harbaugh doesn't seem like the type of guy wants a little – a little running back, a little scat back like that. I think he wants more of a guy that can actually carry the load and, and be good between tackles. Not 10 carries for 11 yards in their final game. Not five yards for – five carries for nine yards in an earlier game. Like, yeah, I, I think Eckler – I don't know if I'll go all the way and say washed. Maybe he's a guy that, like, a, a contender gets for cheap. Like, maybe if you're Buffalo, you take a flyer on him. I can see Kansas City taking a flyer on him as you get rid of, like, Edwards E. Lair. And, and I heard Derrick Henry to the Chiefs maybe, too. See Henry to, me, see, Henry to me is too much what Pacheco is. You think? I mean, both I guys are get just – some smash and dash kind of out of that a little bit. I mean, Pache- who's the dash? <laughs> Pacheco. Pacheco's just as good at, like, smashing things. And, like, uh, we talked about how Henry doesn't have the breakaway speed anymore, so he can't really be dash either. So, like, I, I just think Pacheco and Henry are too similar. Yeah, think about – you got me thinking. Think about Eckler coming out of that backfield as a receiver with yeah. Mahomes. That yeah. Would, that'd be a weapon. I think that would be a good counter, too. Because, I mean, Pacheco's fine at catching passes, but he's not Eckler. And Eckler, maybe his you know next part of his career is kind of just as a 
accepting that he's a third down back or a pass catching back rather than trying to still be the lead guy. Saquon, of course, is going to be a threat anywhere he goes, but I think he's going to run into a problem of like wanting too much money and no contenders wanting to give him that money. He feels destined to be like this this generation's Le'Veon Bell or this era's Le'Veon Bell where he just wants to go get paid and chases a bag somewhere and we never hear from him again. He's like, hey, I'm used to not really winning. We don't really do any of that with the Giants anyway, so I'm good. Just give me as much money as possible. For as much as running backs get devalued, I do still find them to be cool. Like, talking about all these guys, these guys matter. Maybe it's fantasy football that makes them matter more than actual football. I don't know, but, like, I am interested in Saquon Barkley and where he goes. But I don't know how much he's going to actually impact winning. Yeah. Like, Derrick Henry. I'm tied to him, of course, to the Titans. He'll be a big name wherever he goes. I'm not positive he'll go there and impact winning at a big level at this point. I think he's probably the most likely of all the names, though, that will, though. I do think if you put him on the right team, a team that didn't really have a running game, that he could maybe have the biggest impact. One team we haven't talked about are the Ravens, which I think is interesting because – they have well, they have two running backs, one that can never stay healthy in J.K. Dobbins, and then they also have Gus Edwards. Those guys are both free agents. And so the question becomes, do you let them walk and you go after one of these big gets out there? See, I would say yes, you let them walk, and no, you go after a big get because they've proven that their running game is going to be good with no matter who's back there. Yeah. And, like, maybe it's Lamar and Lamar being able to create such a – a threat himself, and the linebackers are paying so much attention to Lamar and Mark Andrews that the running game is easier to to succeed in. Or maybe it's their system. I don't know, but it it seems like they've had the running backs be hurt every year, and it doesn't matter who they put back there. They're going to get four, four and a half yards of carry and, and be a threat at the goal line, and, and they'll do enough in the running game to not really miss them. So I would say I, if I'm them, I just keep investing on defense and offensive line. And they, they actually had a – his name escapes me now, Sam, you may remember. They had a, a rookie running back that kind of burst onto the scene. He was very fast, too. Very fast. Yeah, so I would say that that guy's probably going to be their answer. Now, maybe, you know, they flirted with Henry at the trade deadline, as did Buffalo, apparently. So, like, those contenders maybe see the value in Henry. I think with all these backs, though, I, I do think all of them being free agents at the same time combined with another you know, draft class coming in where you're going to find good talent and good undrafted guys, I would say they're all going to, like, ironically enough, the conglomerate that got together to, to talk about their value and sticking together, them all being free agents at the same time might drive the value down even more so. They might find it even tougher to get any cash. I was just looking. Keaton Mitchell was that guy's name for Baltimore. Yeah. And yeah. they also they have Justice Hill, too. So, I mean – Actually, I think I'm, I'm with you. They should just invest on building up the rest of the team. And Lamar's the key to that rushing attack, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. So, like, uh, yeah, I, it's one thing to do it in the middle of a season, like trade deadline. Like, okay, if you can get this team to eat the deal, because that's how a lot of those trades go. Like, you know, if, if the Titans were willing to take on Henry's dead cap hits and all that, like, then the Ravens could have theoretically gotten him for half a season for you know a million dollars or so. It's different when you're like, okay, yeah, we'll give you a two-year, twenty-four million dollar deal. That math changes drastically. For as little as they matter, 
or for as little as credit as they get for mattering, the running back position is still cool, though. Because that, that's the only reason that guys still have to be wanting to play running back, right? It always amazes me when, like, good athletes are like, yeah, I want to be running back. Because there's no, like, future in it. <laughs> or it's, like, it's got the bleakest future of all the NFL positions. Yet, think about all the good college running backs and guys, like, the good athletes. They're probably better off playing linebacker, but they still get gravitated to that side of the ball and want to touch it and want to score. It is still cool. You're right. The the only one I'm seeing right now that feels like they could have a longer shelf life than they typically do is McCaffrey, and he gets hurt too. But I mean, he's he yeah. just feels like he's built for that role. Um, well, he's also game. yeah, he's also been like the best, like most versatile in terms yeah. of pass catching and running. Right. But like when you're looking at the lower part of this list, and this is going to prove the point that people are making. But like, would you rather have Zach Moss or Jalen Wright? Jalen Wright next year. I don't know why I'm named Jalen Hyatt. Jalen Wright next year. Probably take the fresh legs, right? The Jalen yeah. Wright, probably. A lot cheaper. So outside of like the top four guys, like the, the new wave of guys with less tread on their tires and less miles are going to be a little bit more appealing. And therein lies the problem. If you're the Packers, because another guy on this list was A.J. Dillon, and we know that Aaron Jones looked really good in the postseason, but he's another one that's been up and down, and do you let him go or do you keep him as insurance? I'm probably letting Dillon go and trying to find a guy in the fourth or fifth round. Money play again. Like A. Jalen Wright. Yeah. A guy that can come in there and be a change-of-pace guy. and and Because, and, I mean, to me, I always thought Dylan and Jones were too similar in terms of, like, when they're actually running the ball. I know Jones is more of a pass catcher himself, but, like, Dylan doesn't offer anything that Jones doesn't. Yeah. They've always seemed a little redundant to me. And like I said, I, I want my guys to kind of be a little bit opposite. I, I did like the Henry Spears connection because of that reason. As a Titans fan, though, like, do you want Henry back, Sam? From uh, an actual football standpoint. The players look good. The price tag really depends for me. If it's a cheap enough deal, yeah. Yeah. See, the, to me, the price tag almost doesn't matter. Because, like, the Titans have so much cap space. I don't want to use too much of that cap space on my own running back. Well, yeah, sure. Like, I'm, not, I'm not giving him, like, a $20 million deal or anything. But if he wants, like, a one-year eight or two-year, like, $16 million deal, the cap's going up even more. Like, it was reported going up another, an extra $8 million. So, it's going to be, like, $250 million, I think, is the number I saw. So, like, the Titans have... 70, 80, $100 million in cap space. I'd be okay if they kept Henry around. To me, it's more about workload. The money, whatever. I understand what you're saying, and, and you're not wrong. But I'm, uh, to me, it's like, do you still want to be the guy that gets the ball 80% of the time? Because yeah. I want to pass the ball, and when I don't pass, like I want Spears to be getting half the carry. So maybe from that standpoint, if you remove emotion from it, it makes sense to move on from Henry philosophically too I think it's hard for me to make a decision because just so much of his identity like so much of Rabel's identity as a coach was wrapped up in that run game and just for better or worse and yeah exactly but like I you know I don't know how much Callahan kind of wants to be able to mold that and if you have a obviously if you have a guy like Henry you're going to use that talent but like you might want to be more of a dynamic passing offense and use Spears in a way that he can kind of be a guy that stays out on the field all three downs, you know? There's a case to be made that Derrick Henry is the last Hall of Fame running back for a while. Oh, yeah. Especially 100%. of his type. Like, I mean, 100%. maybe Nick Chubb, although with the injury Injuries. that just happened to him, like it feels like he's not going to have that, that same longevity. 
I've seen the Browns might cut him. Just yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, like the, cap casualty. I wouldn't be surprised they're going to be squeezed out. And I mean, like, I didn't think they really missed him this year. I know Chubb's been good when he plays, but like, I, I don't have confidence for him to back, bounce back from another catastrophic knee injury. So, like, there's a chance that Derrick Henry's the last Hall of Fame running back, and it's not even a slam dunk he makes the Hall of Fame, even though I think it should be. But like, he could be the last of a dying breed. Like, he might be the last guy that is the every down back, the get the ball 30 times a game guy. Like, moving forward, you might be looking at a guy that has to be able to do both or just straight up swaps, timeshares. It's kind of sad. There's something cool, like I said, just being a bruising running back. When Henry was on his run in the playoffs, he's the coolest player in the NFL. The dominant run game still hold, has a place in the game, but I think it's getting less and less, smaller and smaller. It'll come back. I right? think so. You think we're going to go back, Bob, to the NBA? Because Sam, to me, is like saying it's going to come back. It, it's like he's holding on to, like, no, the Patrick Ewing type of big men, they'll be back. <laughs> we will throw the ball in the post and isolate post matchups once again. I don't see it with the way the emphasis on quarterbacks and receivers, the the running backs still very important, but it's to me, it's a different kind of running back now. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it feels like the, you gotta be able to do everything type yep. of guys. Post the ball up, hold it for 20 seconds, get a good <laughs> shot. Let's go. It's coming back. <laughs> I think you'll just eventually see running backs get so good where like they can do the all of it together yeah. at once and their teams will just be like oh might as well just run the ball if these guys can't stop it yeah maybe that's maybe that's it and like you know it, there was a change that the nfl teams made over the last couple of years where like the teams were playing so many defensive backs out there that it was kind of beneficial to run the ball and callahan's talked about that himself with the titans is like you know sometimes you know these defenses are are so equipped to stop in the past that running the ball is still a good epa play like it's still a good uh, value to to actually run it and hand it off. That was my main reasoning for throwing Henry on the Chiefs, just in terms of getting some stack boxes and getting some different looks from a Holmes of just kind of what do you do with a lethal quarterback like this and also a running back that can kill you. Did you see Callahan? I also looked up Pacheco. He was the fastest forty yard dash time for NFL running backs when he. Well, well I know. Well, no, that's what he just doesn't look fast. I wasn't saying Pacheco was slow. I was saying Pacheco does the smash and dash. Like oh, he okay, runs true. over people. Okay. And I he's thought you were saying he's not dash. No, I'm saying Henry's not dash anymore. Yes. And I don't need anybody to smash for Pacheco. He's the he's the guy that's bowl, he's a bowling ball. No, yeah, Pacheco's fast for sure. And I, I just think he's better overall than Henry at this point and does both things better. Sure. That was kind of what I was getting at. Double smash and a touch of dash. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> a little sprinkle of dash here and there. But, yeah, did you see what Callahan said about the offensive line? Yeah. He's basically saying that we're drafting a wide receiver, right? Yeah, <laughs> it seems like. If you're a Titans fan and you're listening to this and you want an offensive lineman, you might not be getting one in terms of the, the top of the draft because Callahan's like, hey, the best thing we can do is have guys that can score touchdowns, <laughs> which is a refreshing philosophy. It's jarring, but he's like, look, if you have a good quarterback that's playing good, and you have good receivers, the offensive line can be overcame. And that was a part of the reason I was excited about hiring Callahan is because the Bengals did have a bad offensive line, but they still made it work with Burrow and, and getting the ball to the skill players really fast. So, like, he's basically like, we want guys that affect scoring, catching touchdowns and, and opening things up for a quarterback. So that makes me think the Titans aren't drafting an offensive lineman, Bob. So does that mean, again, we've talked about this guy before, does that mean maybe Bowers or is it more a Roma Dunze type or – 
I was going to say more of an Adunze neighbors type. Maybe Brock Bowers catches touchdowns too, but like skill position does seem like where they're going. Which is fun. Change of philosophy. We'll wrap up the show after the break. It's the morning show here on Fan Run Radio. Wrapping up the show, anything we missed so far today that we need to hit? Well, we've, we're talking a little college basketball because there's some meaningful games tonight we'll talk about. But this is off the heels of last night's UConn-Creighton game. This was uh, posted on X, where, and they've got video of it. Um, footage of UConn coach Dan- Danny Hurley telling a Creighton student. <laughs> a- I know where this is headed. He points at him, and you can read his, I will knock you out. (laughs) Are you not above that, Denny Hurley? You just won a national championship, and you are in pole position, or at least uh, top position, to do it again. I know you're mad. You got embarrassed by Creighton. Creighton got one over on you. That's fine. You can't win on the road. Are you not above trying to fight the students at this point? (laughs) I, I, I think I was just saying about, I actually have grown to like Danny Hurley because I like him off the court, you know, because he's pretty. He seems pretty humble and pretty gracious. And oh, interesting! I just think yeah. of him as a jerk. No, on, well, that's what we're seeing on the court yeah. for sure. He gets he gets wound up in the heat of the game. Clearly. Well, that's why I thought it was so funny when Kentucky fans were like, "That's who we should hire if we fire Cal." <laughs> Imagine, like Hurley would be trying to fight every <laughs> Kentucky fan that doesn't like him. Like he would not be able to handle. Meet me in the parking yeah, lot. Yeah, like, <laughs> he, he's doing it. In, like, Creighton of and all they, places, there, like there's something about it's not like it's not obscenity laced or anything, but something about him saying I will knock you out. Is, is I think I'd rather him just be cursing them, just yeah. drop a bleep you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, shut the bleep up. Like one of those would be better than let's go out back, <laughs> let's knuckle up anytime, any place. Oh, that's great. I love it. I love it. Sam, you got some breaking news. Can you? Can you can you picture Rick Barnes trying to fight somebody? I mean, like it's it's they're, they're, they do the same job just drastically differently. And you know, Hurley won a national championship, so maybe Barnes needs a little bit more fire. Maybe he does need to tell somebody he's going to fight him. I don't know. I will knock you out. <laughs> Old Barnes used to do that way yeah. back in the day. We have breaking news. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, Horn me. Michigan's <laughs> Olivier Kamwa will miss the remainder of the season following wrist surgery. It's not breaking, but it's. I hope he got a good bag in NIL. Yeah, I'm sure he did. I'm sure he did. I'm hoping. I'm hoping he did, because to leave a top five team and go win ten games, not even win ten games, seems like a bad career choice. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 did we really miss him? I know he had oh, no. he had a couple games where he no. scored big, but I mean, I, I again, I've said this all along. Um, I. I, I I do not miss Olivier at all. Wish him the best. He'll probably play overseas somewhere. But uh, yeah, that's a bummer about having to miss the rest of the season. But uh, it was not a loss for us. Haven't missed him at all. I like the change in offensive philosophy. And you know, he is he never even when he had his big games, he never had the the bulldog game 
like a walk I had last night at that number four, at that four yes. position, like where he's just pushing people around. Like very true. No, don't miss him. Huge basketball game tonight in the SEC. Huge basketball game tonight in terms of Tennessee's chances to win the SEC. By the way, on FanDuel, Sam went from plus one seventy five to plus one thirty to win the SEC. So maybe it's because they have a game in hand, and if Alabama wins tonight, it goes back to more where they're a little bit heavier favored and, and Tennessee's a little bit more of a dog. But right now it's closer and closer to a coin flip as Alabama takes on Florida in Tuscaloosa, eight-and-a-half-point favorites. Although I will say eight-and-a-half's lower than I thought it would be. That's kind of the spread that Auburn was over Kentucky, and you saw what happened in that game where Kentucky was able to go into Auburn and win. Now I don't think uh, Florida has the same top-end talent Kentucky has, of course. And hasn't been as underachieving as Kentucky, like as a sleeping giant or a sleeping dog, whatever you want to call them. But Florida been playing pretty good basketball. Yeah, I think we're going to learn a lot about Florida tonight. They're they're obviously getting a lot of uh, of hype, a lot of love. They're ranked now, um, playing well. This is a big test for them, but one that Tennessee could benefit from greatly if they could go in there and knock Alabama off. So we'll be watching closely. Tennessee needs Alabama to lose one time before they play us. I agree, and don't you think, we were talking about this earlier, the more it's shaping up, and Connect had a great second half last night, but that March 2nd game obviously has big implications for the SEC conference title. Might have comp- It might have implications for player of the year, too. Yeah, yeah, it does seem like the momentum has shifted towards Sears, and he's going to have, you know, both, both he and Connect are going to have opportunities down the stretch against big opponents, like... Sears going into Kentucky, going into Rupp Arena on Saturday. That's a big opportunity. And then, of course, the last four games for Connect. All going to be like quad one opportunities, all big games, especially, you know, if the conference championship is on the line. So, yeah, all of those games are going to be huge, but especially the head-to-head. Yeah. Which maybe that's what Barnes is saving Masek for. (laughs) Maybe he's saving him 30 minutes, go out and make Sears' life hell again. Yeah, so let's go. Um Another one we'll be paying attention to is Kentucky at LSU, and it's mostly uh, what type of Kentucky team will show up in Baton Rouge after what they did at Auburn. Um, yeah, i got to say, Bob, I'm not going to be paying attention to that one at all. Well, I just want to see if they string something together that's like, if they if they come back with a second really strong performance, then I'm going to believe, okay, Cal's got, them, got the ship righted, but I'm not sold that that could happen. Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess you're right in that respect of if Kentucky comes out like they should, just pedal to the metal and – and balls out, like you'd think, okay, maybe they've turned a corner. But even if they play poorly and win, I, I still think they're going to have a really good chance to beat Alabama on Saturday. But, yeah, how, how do you handle a big road win against Auburn? Sandwiched in, you know, and then you got a big game against Alabama coming up, and you got this one sandwiched in against LSU. So right. it's going to be a tough game for a cow to have them focused and stuff. So, yeah, if they come out and look really, really good, then maybe that's a statement that, like, okay, they're ready to make a run. But even if they struggle and win ugly, kind of like we did last night against Missouri, I won't think too much of it. Yeah. Really need really need Alabama to get knocked off once this week. Maybe twice. You maybe could have, you know, pole position for the SEC after this week. If Florida pulls an upset and Kentucky does their job, you might not even need that game in Tuscaloosa. Another team we pay attention to nationally, they're playing tonight, shouldn't be a game. Marquette's playing DePaul, but Marquette's in that, you know, two borderline three seed conversation. So 
that's that's what we're left with is watching those kind of games. I, I think Marquette has no problem tonight. Yeah, DePaul sucks. Yeah, uh, you just never know. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm just going to be locked in on Florida, Alabama. Yeah. I Six agree. o'clock local start. Over under of like 170, like one or so. So like there should be a bunch of points in this game. Come on, Florida. Do us a favor. Let's do a little gator chomp, boys. Come on. Get the energy going. <laughs> da, 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 da. It's basketball. It's okay. Da, 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 da. Did you not see Billy Napier's cooked? He's he cooked. cooked. You don't have to worry about him. The, <laughs> the, Florida, graphic. the Florida football program is dead. It's the basketball program. <laughs> if you're not I a can't. gator, you're gator baked. I can't, man. G.I. Jake, Brett Hollander, Marcus Young, intern Jack coming up next. Stay locked in on Fed Run Radio.